Hey everyone, this is Becoming a Bible Nerd. I'm Carrie Hunt, and I'm so glad that you are joining us. We believe this ancient Eastern text was never meant to study alone, so we choose to do it in community. We will take three books this semester, one chapter a week, and really dig in to understand the context and the culture that the book was written in so that we can better understand how to apply what God was saying to our lives. Our goal is to equip you and your community to fall more in love with Jesus because you have fallen in love with his word. This season, we are wrapping up and going through our third book of Titus. This is chapter two, Sound Teaching and Christian Living. Hey guys, so this is a short, sweet book, but it is jam-packed with truth. And what I've really enjoyed about it is that it is fairly easy to understand. At surface level, you can get so much out of it, but then if you dig deeper, there's even bigger nuggets. As opposed to some of the more theologically um, difficult letters like to the Galatians and, and so forth. So it's pretty straightforward. So we're going to go on and start in chapter two. Now I do want to say that this last chapter, um, chapter one of Titus, the chapter focused on the leadership of the church, but now it shifts to the individuals in the church. So this is part of the letter that is directed towards you and me. The focus is to contrast false teaching with sound doctrine, or in other words, healthy truth. Christians are to behave consistently with what we believe. Our behavior makes a positive or negative impact on the unbelieving world. The Bible tells us how to live. And I love that Enduring Word says it like this. It is the height of hypocrisy to say that we believe it's true if we ignore how it tells us to live. We can't just say that we believe our lives have to speak for us, that we truly do embrace this Christian faith. We can't just talk without living it out. This causes severe damage to the unsaved world and the unbelieving world. We are God's representatives and we have to take that job very seriously. Now, remember, this is in context to individuals in the church, not to church leaders. It's not just, oh, well, he's in leadership, he's on staff or she's on staff. So that's her responsibility to take it seriously. No, that this is our job because honestly, we have a greater impact on the world because we go into the world daily into our jobs and into the marketplace and people are seeing us probably more often that in in a natural setting more often that they are seeing staff members of church because they are doing life in a church with other believers so how much of a impact how much more of an impact in the day-to-day -day living do we have so we've got to take this seriously so this chapter is focusing on sound teaching now we can at at a, at a glance we can read through that and we can pretty much grasp a concept of what that is but I want to dig deeper this morning so sound teaching this is only the word it's not the word in our opinion it is what the word of God says and the word promotes righteousness. It promotes right living. And that is between our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. The word has to be the central focus of our lives. Now think about that. I think everybody would go, oh yeah, absolutely. But we have to stop and ask ourselves, is the word the central focus of my life? Is it, do we live and make decisions 
and does our life revolve around the word? How often do we visit the word and really dive in to discover what it says? The word also has to be the central focus of the church. And again, I ask you to pause. Would you say that the first thing that comes to mind at your church is the seriousness and the mission that they put, the, the money, the focus, the hype, that does it center around God's word first and foremost? That is the absolute mission of the church is to get believers together, discover the word and teach the word and help one another live it out. So we look at this um, more deeply in the light of 2 Timothy 3.16. So I'm going to turn there and I'm going to read the scripture and we're going to break it down. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. I'm going to pause there again. All scripture is inspired by God. And then there's a list. It is profitable. So the word of God is profitable for four things, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and for training in righteousness. So this word is to get us to that goal of living right lives, righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So there are four things that um, Paul lists to Timothy about the word of God, and that is going to help Titus. Timothy and Titus kind of mirror one another. They are both letters from Paul to exclusively them, but it would have been understood that it would have been read to the church, but this isn't a letter to the church. In each instance, it's a letter to the person he has put placed over that church to lead and to help organize and to set structure and to bring some correction. And so we look at these four words real quick. The first one is for teaching. Well, I think that the church accepts that very well. Um, it is to take the word of God and what, how we do it here at Bible Nerds is called exposition. It's taking an entire book in the context and going verse by verse. It takes us through all of scripture, what's popular and what's uncomfortable. A lot of times, if we just choose what we're, we're going to teach on our own, we are going as humans to lean towards what people want to hear. You know, what are the popular messages? What are the messages that just make us feel good and give us the warm and fuzzies? Or what are the more interesting topics? But when we go through verse by verse, it allows scripture actually to tell us how to live rather than me trying to gather my own thoughts on how you should live and then picking and choosing some verses and sometimes out of context and um, using them to apply what I'm trying to communicate. And a lot of times it forces you to go through passages of scripture that aren't maybe the most exciting or the most comfortable. Even um, what I love about the word is that it is living. So even if you wake up in the morning and you happen to be going through Bible nerds with us and you're on Titus chapter two, but you are going through something so personal that has nothing to do with Titus chapter two. What is so beautiful about this is this is your spirit connecting with God's spirit and he brings transformation into your lives regardless of what the words say. He uses it all to transform us. So even though you're studying this chapter and it has nothing to do with what you're dealing with personally, there's power to it. It's transforming you and it's 
feeding your spirit. So now your spirit man has the opportunity to be built up and to overcome whatever it is that you're going through. So you don't always have to just be built up by reading scripture that has to do exactly with the topic that you're going through. Any scripture will feed your spirit. And that is when your spirit can take over. There's a lot of different characteristics of the um, of your spirit and we call it the fruit of the spirit so you don't have to be reading about self-control to have self-control you're just feeding your spirit and all of a sudden that self-control is going to become stronger and more evident in your life so the second thing that he mentions it's it is profitable for rebuking I'm just going back to the scripture yes for teaching and for rebuking so this word um, signifies a strong warning or a disapproval of an action. It's confronting error. So sometimes somebody might ha- be believing something wrong or it's also pointing out sin. Now, this is where our culture gets uncomfortable. If someone were to come in and start pointing out sin, we would think you're being judgmental. But that's what it's not that person that's being judgmental. He, we have to be careful and to speak the word of God, not our opinion. So when we start bringing up what scripture says, it is to be done in love and it is to, we are to use scripture. This is what God's word says. This is what's appropriate. And, you know, this is uncomfortable even for those of us that need to call it out. And I can remember years ago in a small group, the most precious, lovable um, innocent woman was talking about going to a medium and my, my natural, um, personality is not to embarrass anyone in a group, but I had to address this in a group because one, if I didn't address it in the group, then that was going to communicate to other people that going to a medium is okay. And secondly, I care about her soul and they, you can bring on demonic activity by participating in witchcraft in the occult and going to see a medium is opening the doors. It is inviting in the, the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. And so I had to address it there. I had to rebuke that. And that doesn't, that comes with such a hard word. That doesn't mean that I have to just fling around and look at her and say, in the name of Jesus, don't ever go back to that again. It was a teaching moment. Rebuke can look like teaching and say, hey, let me show you what the scripture says about this. And let me warn you of how dangerous this is. Yes, uncomfortable, but is that love? Is, is it love to not care of how this was going to turn out for me and to bring myself to a little bit of uncomfortableness so that she can close that door and she can renounce any work that that enemy had in her life. That's love. Like, let's get dirty. Let's get uncomfortable. The next thing is correction, that the word is useful and profitable for correction. This is another thing that I was thinking of as we were going through this. Teaching, we accept. The encouraging part, we accept. But we do not want, as a society, to be rebuked or corrected in the church. But we're so willing to have someone correct us elsewhere. And let me give you a case in point. Um, there, there, were year, there was years that I was in um, a CrossFit-type world where there was Olympic li- lifting. I would love to say that I did heavy lifting, but it wasn't that heavy. But regardless, you were lifting your body weight above your head at times, and there could be serious injury if 
you didn't have proper form. And so when you go to a gym like this, you are going to have a coach and it is their job to come up and say, hey, you need to move your feet a little bit apart or point your toes out a little bit. Okay, you need to bring your hips in or you need to arch your back more. And they literally will criticize <laughs> every single bit of your stance, but it's out of love because they know that when you have that explosive movement of bringing this weight over your head, you could injure something if not every part of your form is correct. And so they are going to bring that correction regardless if you wanted it or not. And we accept that and we embrace that and we we invite that into our lives. So why would we not that much more enter a church setting where there is someone who loves us and cares for us and look at them and say, hey, you have different perspective than me. It looks like from my perspective, I'm doing things properly, but you're standing back a little bit and you have a different different view. Will you look into my life and will you speak into it? And I'm sure that there are areas where I need to tweak a little. Maybe I didn't realize that I, that, that through my speech, you hear a hint of unforgiveness. And so please speak into my life because that is going to injure me. And then that is going to injure the effectiveness of me to other people into the world. So why are we not a people who are embracing this and inviting it into our lives? And then lastly, um, scripture is profitable for instruction. And I think that in the church, we, we're okay with this. It gives us um, instructions on how to live. In fact, my small group over Titus, they liked that about this chapter. It is very cut and dry to the point telling us how to live and they appreciated that but I think as a church one we need to be better at inviting rebuke and accepting that and submitting to that and correction but for those of us where we have to bring it and and that's all of us there's going to be times in our lives where somebody is saying something incorrect or they believe something incorrectly and we need to bring that correction um we have to do it in love and our speech has to we have to tweak our speech in a way that isn't combative, but it is just as a teacher. Does that make sense? And all of this is instructions and direction to lead us into a righteous life. And a righteous life is going to attract other people. There is something spiritual and powerful about that. And so don't we want to invite that in? So that is what's going on in this um in this word. So I, I really think that um, my, my last thoughts on just the introduction here is that we have to self-examine and a key, the key, the key to an authentic relationship with Jesus is transformation. Is there transformation in our life? And we can say that there's transformation, but the true evidence of transformation is, are those ar that are closest around us, do they see transformation? My heart was broken um, recently when someone, and this wasn't gossip, they didn't tell me who it was, but they just said that they had a family member that had gotten extremely involved in a local church and they were leading group and they were doing X, Y, and Z. And the family is sitting back, scratching their head saying, we don't, we don't see any changes and it's been four years. And, and so typically, and I'm just, let, let's all examine our own hearts. Typically, when there is authentic transformation, it is first going to be evident in outward behavior. Because to me, well, not to me, this, let me, let me think about this. Let me, uh, 
let me retract that. It's not to me. It's just out of experience. The, this outward behavior, a lot of times, those are just little petty things like cleaning up your mouth. That that should be one of the first evidence. And it's not that you have to go sit in a in a segment of, hey, as a Christian, you have to watch your words and, and speak life. That is just a natural byproduct of you spending time with Jesus. You just want to because the spirit, your spirit is being built. But really, to me, the, and here I am saying to me again, it's just the, the parts that need to be transformed that are probably the hardest and takes God longer to work that out are things that are deep in our heart that no one sees, like pride and self-righteousness and unforgiveness. Those are things that might take longer because they are more deeply rooted and more serious because of the effectiveness. So all I'm saying is that typically it is just the little outward things that are changing our lives that people can recognize, hey, they're different. And if your family don't recognize that, then you really need to be examining your personal relationship with Jesus. So a good thing that we can do is ask our friends and family, hey, have you seen transformation since I have taken my walk with Christ seriously? And that's something that we can all benefit from. So then he goes in to addressing Titus about the new, these new believers. So we go from church leadership in chapter one to everyday people in chapter two. But I want you to remember that these are new believers, but this is the expectation of them. And he goes in to talk to old men and he's going to give them instructions and then older women. That, and the range for this older group is 40 and up, about. Young men, so we see that young women have been skipped over, and then we talk to slaves. So I find that very interesting. The old men are instructed in verse 2, older men are to be level-headed, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. So short and sweet. They need to be clear-headed and sober. They should have be living a life of integrity that would earn them respect with their the people around them. Sensible, which another translation is self-controlled. We're going to run into this word three times. And when things are repeated in a short space, we need to take note of that. Self-controlled, that is a fruit of the spirit. When we feed our spirit man, self-control is a byproduct. And then sound in faith, love, and endurance I love that this word endurance, the message is from the Greek word, it's active. And basically what he was communicating is they don't need to just wait around piddling until they die. They need to remain active for the Lord in old age. So then it goes to the older women and it gives instructions. And this is the longest list. couple of takeaways. Um, maybe women, <laughs> maybe there is... Much influence that we can have on people, but with much influence, we have a lot of flaws that we need to rein in. Um, it is the longest list, and, and I don't think that we need to be offended by that. I do think that we need to see how much influence we are capable of. And with much influence comes many instructions or much instructions. I love that one of the ladies in my, my small group or my study group pointed out that Instead of, you know, we, we could look at this and go, wow, the older women, they, um, 
they have this long list of instructions when nobody else does. And the older women aren't even given instructions. They're not, but how she viewed this. And I love is that in the new Testament, we see that women now are suitable to have a sacred office. We have a role to play and it is of vital importance. And so we're going to look at this list. And I believe that this really, truly is a place where the enemy has come into our culture and he has robbed us from this beautiful, this beautiful gift of older women. Uh, Somehow, and I've watched this from a time that I was young, that younger um, women who maybe are more modern in their thinking, they're more up to date in style, have come in even in the church and said, hey, move over older women, we've got this. And instead of partnering with older women and say, hey, I want to learn from you and then I can enhance um, the kingdom through the gifts that I have, which are modern and current, we've just pushed older women aside and not even giving them the respect that is due and and received from this beautiful gift. And so older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. This is an age old problem among women. It was a problem back then. It's a problem today. And I I thought this was so interesting. One of my study partners pointed out that it comes, slanderers comes from the Greek word Diablo, which means devil. Slander is a terrible terrible attribute that we have and we tend to gossip fairly easily even if we intend and work on being gossips it is in the woman's nature to do this and we have to crucify it um not we are to not be addicted to wine we are to teach what is good uh, you know I, i do have the gift of having half of my study group older women than me even though i'm in this category now of older women i have women decades older than me that i need in my life to really give that wisdom and insight and um one of my study partners pointed out like yes it seems like the older women get the more cranky they get and the more critical of others that they can be and our job is to teach what is good to point out good we are to encourage younger women in a list of things and first and foremost is to love their husbands and children remember this was the culture where there was this thought of the new roman woman that and 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 in that it took these women out of the home living a lifestyle outside of the home all of a sudden husbands and being the caretaker and the homemaker and caring for the children became less important and so these older women are to rein that back in again we see self-control pure is in this list homemakers kind submissive to husbands how can we know how to submit to our husbands without watching and having conversations with women who have done it for a long long time and so this is such a beautiful gift and as my study group discussed this I saw this unfold before my eyes one of the young girls in there looked up and said How can I walk this out practically? What does this look like? And the advice from the older women just, they they just oozed with advice. And some of them have an easier um, marriage to submit to, while others have very difficult marriages to submit to and to hear all of their insight and wisdom. I mean, we were all taking notes and it was such a gift. So I encourage older women to be praying about this, 
there are, I guarantee you, there are women right in front of your nose that need you. And sometimes we don't have eyes to see. So ask the Holy Spirit to reveal who is right under your nose. One of the women who I greatly respect in the group talked about how she did not have this growing up. And as an older woman, she now realizes it is her responsibility to seek out younger women who might be walking in shame, not feeling like they're worthy enough, seek them out and let them know that they are seen and known and loved. And then that door will open for the ones who don't think that they know more than their older, um, wiser um, sisters in Christ. They will be accepting of being mentored. Um, trying to think of uh, younger women. Let, let me say this. Please, please do not be so prideful and I'm speaking to someone who I went through this season where I just thought that I knew everything in my early 20s and that I I it was just it was pride and self-righteousness and it's ugly and so I just encourage you and um I, I just encourage you to be um, I'm sorry, I have um, sinus brain again, and my words are falling short. But I just encourage you to be humble. That's the word I'm looking for. Just a simple word. Be humble and really realize that this is God, how God set things up, that you are to submit to older women and learn from them. And you will be a much wiser, more effective person in the ministry because of it. So older women, uh, older, I mean, younger women, you don't really have any instructions. Your, your role right now in this season of life is to sit under older women and you are going to be the best version of you for the kingdom. If you do that, then the next group is for young men. Let's see young men in verse six. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that the opponent will not be, will, so your opponent will be ashamed having nothing to say about us. Again, he brings up this sound teaching. Um, we see that the young men are to teach. They are to live a life of an example with integrity and dignity that young men ask yourself, is my life worth imitating? Would God be pleased if other people imitated you? If there are areas that you think, Ooh, well this area, I don't need anyone imitating me. Change it. Repent of that. Change your ways and walk with integrity. Also what you're teaching, you have to know what you're teaching. And really from this teaching, from this, I can tell that Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, which is the heart of God, that Paul is not interested in you pulling out a few verses and then coming up with 90% of funny stories and your little antidotes on this. I'm not saying that you can't have a story in it, but there should be majority of God's truth in scripture with a little bit of our stories in the teaching model. The next group is the slaves that are addressed. Now, one thing is that in the ancient world, Christians were shocked. I'm sorry. In the ancient world, Christians shocked the world around them because 
of their gatherings where there would be a mixture of slaves and master in, in Jew in Gentile, people from different ethnicities and all across the board in their social status would be under one roof, worshiping God and sharing a meal together at the table. This was something that was not a typical sight. And so it really, really impacted the ancient world. Just this action and people walking by and looking in would have been greatly impacted by this. In fact, with the qualifications in chapter one of eldership and how um, Timothy and Titus were to appoint them, this wasn't something voted on. They are to be led by the spirit and appoint people with certain qualifications. That meant that a slave in a house church could have been an elder And then some of the masters could have just been members there. So a slave, actually an elder overseeing the spiritual growth of a master. And so here in this world where there was slaves and was, and there were masters, there were slaves and masters, sorry for my grammar. um, Slaves were instructed to be submissive to their masters in everything. They were to be well-pleasing, not back-talking, not stealing, which was a common problem in this day. They were to demonstrate utter faithfulness, and that would adorn the teaching of God in everything. This word adorn is a picture of precious jewels being arranged to show their true beauty. So the slave's response to their master, just that alone would be like them arranging precious jewels around the truth of God's word. It would ring out to the community, look at that person, look at the self-control that they have. Truly, they have something that I don't and I want part of that. And so in the modern day sense, that can be the employee-employer relationship or anyone in authority over you that we are to be well-pleasing without back-talking or stealing, to be utterly faithful to them even if we are not treated like we want to be. And then at verse 11, we're wrapping up, says, For the grace of God has appeared to salvation for all people. And this goes back to like how the house churches looked with all social demographics and all ethnicities. The grace of God has appeared for salvation for all, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust. We cannot deny worldly lust without knowing what is at the heart of God. We have to be in the scripture studying and knowing him for him to reveal areas in this life that is worldly lust because it's so a part of our culture that we are desensitized to it and we need to rejuvenate that conviction and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us but we have to spend time with God to know that. And so we are to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible And that word, again, is self-control. So it's the third time that that's mentioned. Righteous and godly way in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This word, wait for the blessed hope, another word for that is to look for. And this is just a reminder of what the Thessalonian church was instructed to do. That we are to look for the second coming. And I find it so interesting that the Holy Spirit instructed us to read these books together. And I really think that there is something that he is doing that is waking up his church. I want to go back to the verse uh, prior to that, um, where it talks about worldly lust and and, and living a self-control life. Um, Grace instructs us to do this. And this word instruct in the Greek is 
the same word used for a parent-child concept. It's a it, the entire training process that we talked about at the beginning of this, this um, chapter, that the word is used for teaching, encouraging, correction, and discipline. We have to go to the word to know this. And so, Um, denying godlessness this is stuff that is in our past we have self-control now and we live a different way the worldly lust i've already talked on um, a sensible self-controlled life this is the third mention and we have the capability through the fruit of the spirit to live this controlled life righteousness is talking about our relationship with other people and so how do we treat others how do we treat others who don't treat us well and then a godly way living in a godly way is being an image bearer and that is should we should strive to live a life that others can come to know Christ and it really matters how we act and how we live so to wrap up it says in verse 14 he gave himself for us think about the weightiness of that that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse us for himself a people for his own possession he we were his we were his possession but sin took over because of sin we now became enslaved and owned by the enemy and the prince of darkness but he bought us back with his blood and that blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness where we are now his possession and the word in the greek means more like a treasured possession eager to do good works god loves us so much and it's not a possession like we see in the slave market it is we become heirs co-heirs with christ to his kingdom we are children that he has bought back and a beautiful picture that he gave us of this is the picture of the prodigal son where he was willing to come and be a slave and he's and the dad says oh no 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 you get the very best because you are my son and you have returned and and he throws the biggest party because of that that is a picture of the father's love for us and then in verse 15 say these things and encourage and rebuke with all authority let no one disregard you this is a message to titus say these things to your people have all authority you might have to be bold at times where it is out of your comfort zone but do it you have authority and let no one let no one disregard you move in that much authority and so we're going to move on to chapter three this will be our last week I just encourage you this week um, as we all need to do is just examine ourselves and say am I I have a role to play and am I submitting to that role? And if you have any questions on this chapter, or if you would love to get connected with an older woman and learn more about what submitting to your husband looks like in hard seasons or in easy seasons, reach out to us. I would be glad to connect you with some women that just ooze with wisdom. And we, we just thank you for your support. You know that we get to do this and it has been such a journey because of your support. And so we thank you for that. Um, our way, the ways to give really are online, www.becomingabiblenerd.com. And you can give to different areas in the ministry. If you give to general, it just goes to the everyday um, needs for the, for the ministry. We thank you for your support. We thank you for joining us and going on this journey with us. We will see you next week with chapter three. Happy reading.